The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 205 on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good one so far. It's Jaylen Nye, Andrew Gross, and we're going to get right to it this afternoon. Alberta and BC still at an impasse over the stalled expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. This despite a weekend meeting between the Alberta Premier, Rachel Notley, and BC Premier John Horgan, along with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. While Notley says she left the meeting feeling quote, a lot better and insists the progr- uh, the project will go ahead, as did the Prime Minister. Horgan said the meeting changed nothing for him. Common view of Canada is a dynamic and diverse country with many component parts all working together to give us the strength uh, that we see from coast to coast to coast. However, despite all of the commonality between the three of us, we continue to disagree on the question of moving diluted bitumen from Alberta to Uh, the Port of Vancouver. We had a discussion about options. The federal government laid out their plans over the next number of days. I'll leave that to the Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance to tell you about. Uh, And we had a discussion about what role British Columbia could continue to play when it comes to protecting and defending our coast. It has been my view that it's the responsibility of the Premier of British Columbia to be vigilant, to ensure that we're not just protecting our environment, but we're maintaining a a positive and diverse and competitive economy. Our marine economy is considerable. Our wild salmon stocks are depleting, but yet there is considerable economic activity when it comes to our oceans. Uh, When it comes to our uh, majesty, as you all know, it's a beautiful place to visit. Our tourism industry would be severely compromised with an adverse uh, diluted bitumen spill. So at the end of the day, we agreed that there may well be an opportunity for us to have officials address some of the gaps that we perceive to be in the Ocean Protection Plan. Uh, However, uh, we remain uh, committed to ensuring that we're protecting our jurisdiction in this regard. And although we agree today, uh, the Prime Minister and I, that we'll do everything in our power, he and me, to ensure that we are protecting our coast, uh, I and he will not be in power forever. And that's why the jurisdictional question is so critically important. Well, reporters in Alberta and B.C. and really all across Canada have been watching all of this very closely, including Global's BC Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry. He joins us now on the phone. Hi, Keith. Hi there. I guess uh, I'll put you under a whole lot of, uh, I'll give you a whole lot of responsibility and say that you're speaking (laughs) on behalf of the province of British Columbia. Uh, (laughs) I guess this was a whole lot of uh, nothing. Were there greater expectations for some sort of agreement being reached in Ottawa this weekend? No, not at all. Uh, Talking to people on all three uh, levels. I don't think the hopes were high at all that there would be any any breakthrough because they can't. Politically, all three leaders have gone all in on their respective positions. Mm-hmm. They can't really afford to bend. So uh, there was a couple of, of uh, wrinkles that came out. Uh, Justin Trudeau promising to bring in legislation that further strengthen the federal government's jurisdictional powers over, over pipelines. Um, perhaps an agreement down the road to revisit the ocean protection strategy and and fill in the gaps that BC uh, perceives to be there. But no, no, no real movement off either. They're fundamentally different positions. At least Notley and Trudeau are, are of course, have the same position, but uh, John Horgan was opposed to the pipeline in the campaign. The only thing that's changed from BC's perspective 
is that on his first day in office, Horgan was given legal advice that his government has no legal ability to oppose the and and to prevent the pipeline from happening, which is why he's now taken a, a smaller course of action, which is going to the courts and and as you just heard in that clip, trying to get uh, a determination of who has the power to determine what happens to bitumen when it flows through BC. Is it the BC government or the Canadian government? It's just a stall tactic more than anything. It seems like Keith it's just mm-hmm. delaying, delaying delaying. Well, it, yeah, it, it is. And it's uh, it's one of his, the last weapons, the last arrow in his quiver is this yeah. court case. And he's already, but interestingly, on the eve of that meeting, his government put out a news release pointing out it's how many permits it's granted Kinder Morgan in Trent's Mountain as, as it's been in the sort of clearing process for the, for this pipeline. So legally, they are, they are bound to assist Kinder Morgan to build this pipeline, but they, of course, politically are opposed to it, and they can't legally oppose the pipeline, but they can get in court and try to argue about tanker traffic. Keith, doesn't this, uh, you know, I almost wanted to say I don't want to oversimplify, but I kind of do want to oversimplify this. Doesn't this come down to uh, the Premier of British Columbia, Horgan, being painted into a corner, whether he painted himself there or was placed there? Uh, He has a minority government supported by the Green Party. Uh, That uh, coalition formed on the basis that he would fight the pipeline. Is he fighting a pipeline or is he fighting to stay in power? I don't think he's fighting the same power. I don't think the Green Party, we keep a close eye on these guys, I don't think the Green Party's in any position to take this government down because I think they know full well uh, their three-seat breakthrough would be in jeopardy mm-hmm. come, an, come another election that is fought on the first-past-the-post system. They've decided, they've, they need proportional representation, and there's a referendum on that in the fall, and they need that system so they can grow their party, but uh, they could be shut out come the next election, which is why you don't see we, Andrew Weaver, the Green Party leader, talking about taking this government down over, over this particular project. John, you're right about being painted in the corner, though, and partly self-inflicted. His party, unlike the Alberta NDP, there is a very strong and influential, rather radical green element to the BC NDP. And uh, a lot of the people being you know, arrested for protesting are New Democrats. You know, that Kennedy Stewart, the MP mm-hmm. there, um, who represents Burnaby, um, has been arrested and now facing potential criminal contempt charges, which was part of the news today. So Horgan's got a, a, a big part of his party is demanding he take an aggressive line against this pipeline, and his lawyers are telling him you can't take that aggressive a line, so they've they've sort of landed on this artful court challenge, which a lot of people think is just going to go nowhere, but you're right, it is part of the perceived notion that they're trying to delay things as much as they can. How is this playing out in B.C. among the residents there? Is it getting as much attention there as it is here in Alberta? Are, are people as against it as it would seem during these protests, or not? No. So, again, take opinion polls for what, it's, what they're worth yeah, these days. Yeah. But uh, it, interesting, I always look at the sort of the tracking of various polls. The last, well, I've never seen a poll, frankly, in, in, uh, since day one that ever suggested there was more opposition than support for the pipeline project. Hmm. Every poll consistently shows there is more support than there is opposition. And uh, a number of polls show that by and large, a lot of people are ambivalent about the project. They don't really have a hard opinion. And when you strip it right down, it seems that only about 20% of the population is firmly against it, and a little more, probably in the low 20s, are for it. And everybody sort of leans one way or another, but the, the neutral and ambivalent voter out there is a, is a prominent one in B.C. when it comes to this project. So the emotions aren't there uh, necessarily that are ta- like are attached to other um, uh, issues, but interestingly enough, here as well today we had a news conference just a short time ago, in which a, 
number of First Nations leaders appeared, and this is where the, the other um, shoe is going to drop here, uh, vowing not only to continue to prote- protest this pipeline, but vowing continued court challenges all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, arguing that the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which most governments have, have embraced, has that clause about needing First Nations consent. And that has been interpreted differently by different governments and mm-hmm. by different First Nations. And that's going to have to be argued out in court as well. So there's a lot of legal hurdles yet to be crossed before this thing is a done deal. Well, interesting. I, I, I'm interested in well as well in the perceived uh, action or inaction uh, as far as BC residents go in terms of our Prime Minister. Uh, because many here believe that what Horgan is actually waiting for is an opportunity to save face by being forced to allow the pipeline by the federal government. Uh, is is the perception in British Columbia that the Prime Minister is doing enough here or that he should become more involved? Well, if you're in favor of the, of the pipeline, I think there's been frustration that Trudeau waited perhaps too late to get involved in this. Certainly, I know Rachel Notley's been pushing him to get more forceful on uh, championing this pipeline. He's only been to B.C. a couple times uh, since this thing sort of became a make-or-break situation. He hasn't made the argument in B.C. very persuasively that this pipeline has to go ahead. Having said that, his news conference on the weekend got a lot of coverage here in British Mm -hmm. Columbia, and um, he was very forceful in that news conference, but you have to wonder whether he left it too late. And in terms of John Horgan, there is a perception from a number of us that the game he's playing is that he's perceived to have done everything he could do to block this pipeline but may not succeed and he can at least throw up his hand and say well i tried but it's out of my hands now and if you know john horgan his history i've known him a long time he comes from the energy sector that's that was his position when he was a staffer in the ndp government in the 90s he was very much pro site c dam pro pipelines pro lng and he's now as it's in government, he's building the Site C Dam, he's opening the doors to LNG, and I always have to wonder whether secretly at the end of the day he doesn't mind if the Kingdom Morgan pipeline gets built uh, as long as he can save face by saying, I tried everything I could do to stop it, and I ultimately was not successful. Andrew, how many times have we said that right here on this show? Of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this, this is a Hail Mary question, but just for, uh, just for the fun of it, um, you've heard, of course, and you're aware that the federal government and uh, the provincial government here in Alberta Alberta have shown an appetite for wanting to financially uh, get involved in the pipeline. We don't know what form that might take, if it takes any form at all. Uh, But the question out here becomes, well, uh, would we then benefit from the uh, revenue generated uh, by the pipeline? As I say, a Hail Mary question. If down the road this pipeline does get built, uh, do you think there's any appetite in British Columbia for investing in it? (laughs) Certainly not this government. Uh, keep in mind, we go back to the fact this is a minority government, and theoretically there could be an election sooner than later. I'll, I think it's going to take some time before we get there. But uh, the B.C. Liberal Party and its predecessor, the Social Credit Party, have ruled this province with only the occasional interruptions from the NDP. And if the, if the B.C. Liberals were to return to power within four years or so, when this pipeline is still not quite perhaps not operational or just in its infancy of operations. I wouldn't rule out a B.C. Liberal government investing in mm-hmm. such a venture, but uh, the B.C. NDP, no way. It's oh, it's God. just too green a party to get involved in something like that. Well, exciting times for you as yep. well, Keith, and you've been covering politics out there for a long, long, long time. time. It's very exciting. It's, uh, it's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> Keith, I would recommend that over the course of the week you gas up your car and, yes. uh, and enjoy some B.C. wine. Yes, we're going to be getting a briefing 
from a nervous BC Attorney General in response to your your turn off the taps bill later today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> details on that coming up uh, at four o'clock Mountain Time. Keith, thank you so much for this. Appreciate your time today. Anytime, guys. All right, take it easy. Keith Baldry out of Victoria joining us this afternoon. He is the BC Legislative Bureau Chief out there. So, do you want to hear what Notley had to say? Premier sure. Notley had to say after that meeting this weekend. Here goes. In our view, it is a historic achievement for Canada. It is going to add tens of billions of dollars to the Canadian economy. It supports a continental and a world-leading climate uh, plan, and it comes with substantial new coastal protections. Failure to act on TMX is costing the Canadian economy roughly $40 million a day and an untold number of jobs for families across this country, including, of course, Alberta, but also BC, which is why we must act. So today in the meeting, one of the things that we discussed was the fact that the federal government, along with the government of Alberta, has commenced discussions with Kinder Morgan to establish a financial relationship that will eliminate investor risk. I'm quite confident that should these discussions uh, end successfully, that the pipeline will be built. And that is good because the project is in the national interest. That's why Alberta has, and our government has, from the very start, been fighting for this pipeline. We've been fighting for it as hard as we possibly can to defend the jobs that Albertans and Canadians rely on to advance our climate goals and to support working families now and into the future. Because at the end of the day, there is only one outcome for the province of Alberta, and that outcome is the construction of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And personally, and uh, on behalf of all Albertans, I know that we will not let up until the job is done. Well, there it is. Uh, I've heard those uh, sentiments before. That pipeline will be built, mm-hmm. uh, both from our federal government and our uh, premier. I, I suspect it will and has to be built. Uh, there's no other way around it. But as we've been talking about, and as you just heard uh, Legislative Bureau Chief Keith uh, Baldry say, all other options will be exercised mm-hmm. first before we get there. So it's an interesting debacle. I don't know of a better term for it than that. Yeah, but it'll, it, it, again, just going to continue to be fascinating mm-hmm. as we um, tick-tock, tick-tock down to that May 31st uh, deadline. Right. Now, as you heard Jay say just a moment ago, at 4 o'clock, uh, we're going to receive word as to what that legislation might look like um, mm-hmm. from the province of Alberta. Um, they'll be very careful, I'm sure, in introducing legislation that will not be challenged or will not be challengeable on a constitutional basis. So we don't know what that uh, will look like, but mm-hmm. it won't be something as simple as refusing to ship oil because that will be challenged. It'll have to be more clever than that, and I suspect it will be. Parliament resumed today after a two-week break. We know the Prime Minister not going to be there. He's been doing some, it's been traveling different leaders, uh, conferences around mm-hmm. the world, pop back to Ottawa on the on the weekend uh, for this one, and then he is, uh, he is off again. But, Prime Minister, this is what he had to say. The Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion is a vital strategic interest to Canada. It will be built. But what does that mean to say that it's in the vital strategic interest of Canada? Well, it means that hundreds of thousands of Canadians who work long hours every day to put food on the table and to build this country depend on this project getting built. 
It means people in the oil patch are hurting, have been hurting for years, and we stand with them. Just as we stand with forestry workers in BC, aerospace workers in Quebec, and auto workers in Ontario. It means the job of a pipe fitter in Fort Mac matters as much as that of an aluminum worker in Alma, as a forestry worker in Prince Rupert, the auto worker in Windsor, or the fisherman in St. John's. It means every single Canadian's family and future and dreams matter. It means the billions of public, in public funds for health care, for infrastructure, for the environment now being lost to the discount on Canadian heavy crude because we can't get our product to new markets is not something we can accept as a permanent anchor on our national prospects. And it means that even as we continue to work hard with Premiers Notley and Horgan to find solutions, we must recognize that they remain at an impasse, which only the Government of Canada has the capacity and the authority to resolve. Prime Minister Trudeau after that meeting on the weekend with um, Alberta Premier Rachel Notley and BC Premier Horgan. We will continue to watch and see and again in less than two hours we'll have more details in the next move from the provincial government. One other thing before we take a break is worth mentioning that you've heard, of course, that the Alberta government and federal government both have an appetite for investing in the pipeline. Yes. You realize that was not the issue. Uh-huh. There were a sufficient, there was sufficient investment in that pipeline to get it built. Financial investment, while I agree with it, is not was not the issue. The issue was getting it built and getting the permissions built, uh, uh, pushed through. That had been done legally and is now being challenged, but now it's become a financial issue. So again, 4 o'clock, our time today. Some more details from the Alberta government on uh, next step in this uh, impasse with BC. At 5 o'clock today, Mm -hmm. uh, the Humboldt Broncos Hockey Club, the uh, president of the uh, club, Kevin Geringer, is going to be making a a statement regarding the decisions that have been made and steps that have been taken to properly secure and manage the funds that have been raised for the the hockey team. $12 million in that go that's good out. because people do want to know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, should mention as well because it's Monday. We'll have the hoot this afternoon at three thirty-five uh, this week. It is uh, who is it? Rob, Rob Roach, Roach. Um, director of Insight Economics and Research. Should also mention that tomorrow, uh, six thirty, Cheb will be broadcasting the memorial mm-hmm. for Jackson Joseph, Logan Hunter, Parker, Tobin, and Stephen Wack. That live coverage starts at one. Is anticipated to go until three. And that's the one at Rogers Place. That's the one at Rogers. Place. So we'll be here, but we'll be broadcasting that. And when that concludes, then we'll start a normal edition of the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. You can still, the public is invited to that memorial service. Again, it's free to go to, but you do need a ticket. Yeah, there, it, you, you need a ticket. So you do have to go to ticketmaster.ca to get a ticket. But again, it is a free memorial service. No one's making right. money off no, that. I know yeah. a number of people were, were wondering about that last week. So all of that uh, still to come on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Right now, though, here's Eileen Bell and your 2.30 News. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.